Welcome to the Soma Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope what you hear fills your heart with hope and purpose. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and share it with friends. Here's today's message. All right, so I, I chose these guys not only because I believe they've got something powerful to share with you, but also, too, I wanted you to get to know them a little bit more. Um, without having the title of doing so, because we don't care about titles here at Soma Church, we care about towels. And what I mean by that is we care about serving more so than we care about getting a big name or anything like that. Uh, because every single one of us here at Soma Church, to get on the Soma Church serve team, you hear our core values and you know that we're, we carry towels, not just on Sunday, but every single day of our life. It's our heart to serve. We understand that that's what Jesus did and we're not better than our master. Um, so each and every one of these guys serve so faithfully on our, on our serve team, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to get to know each and every one of them. So um, I'm going to start with uh, Sam. Obviously, this is Sam. And um, Sam, uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself, and then also tell us um, how you came to, um, to know Soma and join the serve team. Yeah, well, like Reed said, my name's Sam. Uh, you guys have seen me doing announcements. I'm married to Mariah. Uh, she was doing worship up here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I met Reed and Erica at Blue Ash Summit Park. I actually had a food truck convention. I love food. I love food trucks. So when I heard there's a food truck convention, I was, of course, going to be there. Uh, and ran into them. Um, ended up getting coffee with Reed. And then after I got married, we ran into Reed again at Walmart. And then I thought, okay, maybe the Lord's trying to tell me something about this guy. He was. <laughs> so... Uh, Mariah and I joined the team, um, and besides doing announcements on Sundays, I get all the um, graphics and visual media together during the week and get it ready for Sundays. Yeah, so. That's perfect. And so I, I yeah, the man. Um, the, the reason I got into that title thing, and I've slipped my mind, but the reason I wanted to say t that title thing is because we don't necessarily have this title. Sam doesn't have this title, but Sam essentially serves as an associate pastor here at Soma Church, does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Every single week, I want to brag on him just a little bit, every single week Sam puts together everything that you see on these screens. I give him uh, what goes on there, and then he puts it all together, all the scripture verses, all that stuff. So um, he, he's a faithful servant of the Lord. Um, so thank you, Sam, for everything you do here. All right, and uh, I want to introduce you to Beth. Most of you know, uh, have seen Beth, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to get to know Beth. Um, so uh, Beth, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then tell us uh, uh, how you came to uh, be a part of Soma Church. I'm first just going to preface this by I am fine up here when I sing, I suck at public speaking. <laughs> Just let me say that first. <laughs> um, I'm Beth. I work on the praise and worship team, obviously. Um, I actually got to meet Reed and Erica through my cousin Adam and Crystal. Um, Reed actually ended up coming to, I think it was my grandmother's funeral was the first time I think I officially met you. And then a couple weeks later, he called me and asked me to fill in um, on the worship team for a service when... Mariah and McKenna were out, and then I kind of just never left, so <laughs> been here since. <coughs> no, we're, we're so thankful for Beth. Beth is just, obviously, you guys, I don't even have to say it, you guys know. You see um, her worship, you see her love for the Lord every single Sunday, so thank you, Beth, for everything you do here. And this dude, I'm gonna, I don't want to say too, too much, uh, except that I, he's the one dude that I had to say, do not cuss this morning. Um, <laughs> this is Ward. Give it up for Ward. <laughs> So tell them how we know each other, and then also tell them how we came, you came to be on the CERT team. Sure. Um, first of all, um, yeah, I'm Ward. I help afterwards just break them down, probably do the least amount of work at the church. 
just go ahead and say that because um, these guys do a ton. But I'm the husband to this beautiful woman, Melissa, over here. And, and um, we got two beautiful little boys that come here. And that's pretty well, big reason why we're still here because I don't like Reed, really. Um, no, um, I'm a special education teacher, but Reed and I went to um, grad school together down at Lee University. And I actually, first time I met him was at a small group when he was the chaplain at the marriage housing at Lee. And um, me and him had the same boss, Melissa, my wife, so um, <laughs> at the time. So um, Melissa and I had just moved up here nine and a half hours across the country back to Lebanon. And I was already on edge. I don't want to go to the north. Come on, Lord. You know, I don't want to do this. Well, um, it was a rough first winter for us. I was a brand new father. Guys, you can help me when you become a dad. You're scared to death already. Women, we don't have it together like we do. But um, I saw him on uh, Facebook. I'm not big on the social media stuff. And he was down in Kentucky. And we had been church hunting for a long time. And I just told him, Melissa, you know how much I hate organized church. I just hate it. It needs to be more of a real relationship. And uh, we went to the aquarium together. And then months on the road, Reed's like, hey, we're thinking about starting a church in Cincinnati. Okay, well, I'm going to be there. Uh, tell me tell me what to do, man. You know, I didn't even pray about it. And uh, you know, and uh, and I was, you know, I was, you know, happy as a lark. So yeah. yeah, we prayed for you, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, sincerely, these guys deserve that and more because they. Um, I mean, it's just so awesome to be able to pastor people who get it and to pastor people who um, uh, serve more than complain. Hallelujah. Um, they these guys just really, really understand that the church is a place to give back and, and, and a place for relationships. Um, so, but let's be honest, um, there are times where the church doesn't necessarily serve that calling or serve that purpose, or sometimes they miss it. Um, uh, you know, you think to yourself, well, maybe you've never had that experience, but, um, you know, you can, you can be a church that's preaching the word. You can be a, a church that's even, um, you know, uh, huge in numbers, have all of the um, great gadgets and stuff that make church so entertaining and stuff like that. But if you miss 1 Corinthians 13, if you're not a loving church, then you don't have any of that stuff. Um, and none of that other stuff matters. So, so needless to say, the point is, is that there's, there's times where we get it wrong. Um, and we want to share some of these stories with you, like I said, so that we can um, give a voice to some of the things that may have happened in your past. So I'm going to let Sam start off um, by kind of sharing his heart and sharing um, a bad experience that he's had in church and then also what God did to redeem that experience that he had. Yeah, so uh, the word hurt is a really strong word, and I don't know if from my experience if I would necessarily use the word hurt. Uh, I do believe that church hurt exists. I believe it's a topic that needs to, to be addressed, and so I'm really thankful that we're doing this. Um, I have a lot of family members and close friends who have experienced church hurt uh, and has led to some pretty unhealthy things. Um, and, but my experience, like I said, was more of a, a better word to use that I think would be uh, disappointed or, or burnt out. Um, when I graduated high school, I attended a Bible college. Uh, it was a two-year program, so I graduated in 2015. And then after graduating, uh, I started an internship at that Bible college kind of with the expectation of uh, being discipled and learning what it meant to direct a Bible college, because that's who I was uh, interning under. Um, and I, I just want to start by saying that the, those two years of interning were phenomenal. The Lord moved in many mighty ways. He, he revealed a lot to me. He, I believe that that was essential for my spiritual maturity. 
Um, but then getting into the second year of the internship, I started work. I actually got a job at the church that was associated with the Bible college. Um, and just being in that environment, kind of being behind the closed doors, behind the curtain uh, and the, the meetings and getting to ex- uh, interact with the, the lead pastor and some of the other guys on staff, I kind of got to see a side that nobody else really saw, a side that I didn't really, still to this day, don't know if I uh, believe reflected that heart of Jesus. Um, and so it just led to a lot of, uh, there was a little bit of hurt towards the end when I left, and I kind of realized that I felt less like a disciple and more like a, someone who was there for free labor. Um, and I think that that's something that really happens a lot with people in church, especially interns, younger people who are just trying to get started, is they get kind of abused and taken advantage of as far as their time and what they're doing. Um, and so there was a point when all that frustration kind of led me to a dark place, a, a lot of bitterness in my heart. Um, and the Lord definitely redeemed that. He was just so gracious and kind. Uh, and I was able to have conversations with those those men that kind of disappointed me, uh, was honest with them and able to ask them for forgiveness for the bitterness I had towards them, and they apologized as well. And it was just neat to have that redemption of, you know, a lot of times we, we think that forgiveness is a, a conversation that happens with somebody and a mutual understanding that they did wrong. Um, but I think forgiveness starts before that because sometimes that conversation doesn't happen. But it was just really neat that, that conversation did happen in this situation. Um, and so the Lord, I mean, he takes what the enemy meant for evil and uses it for good. So I was just really thankful. Um, that's kind of my experience, but I know that there are people here who have much worse, much more traumatic experiences than that. So, Well, and, and yeah, and, and it's not to even put those one against another, but I think that for every single one of these guys, as they share, there's something that we can learn from them. And here's the thing that I would like to kind of say about Sam's story um, that you guys can take away from, from your experience um, here today, is that we get hurt sometimes in Walmart because the person's rude to us. Anybody ever had a rude person, customer service rep or something like that, McDonald's, Walmart, something like that? that it, it, I mean, like, if you go to McDonald's and then you go to Chick-fil-A, I mean, it's just like, heaven and whatever, um, but, and maybe not always, because like every once in a while I'll have a bad experience at Chick-fil-A, and I'm just like, is there a unicorn somewhere? Um, but here's the point, and so the reality is, is just because you, like the greeter at Walmart, I think I got grunted at by a greeter at Walmart one time instead of said hello to, um, but guess what? I still go to Walmart, Right? Right, so we have this expectation of the church, and we should. We should have high expectations for our church. But the reality is, is that if you get hurt in church, one of the things you can do is you can do what Sam did, is you can go and you can speak to the leadership, you can let them know what's going on, and then you can hear their heart, you can hear what's going on um, from their perspective and their side of things so that you don't have to carry that hurt alone. It's a beautiful thing about the church. The Walmart greeter don't care, right? But, but us as your pastors and other people here in this surf team, uh, we do care. We love and we want to know what's going on in your heart. We want to know what's going on in your life. And we want to we try to help you um, understand things where we're coming from, things that, from our perspective. And then also understand your perspective of um, what's going on in your heart and, and, and what the Lord's doing in your heart. And even if you got hurt, because I will be the first one to tell you, I'm sorry. Now, you maybe never heard that from a pastor because you're supposed to say that to the pastor. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, but I'll be the first to tell you um, that if I've done something wrong, and I will, all right? So just because I'm a pastor, I'm no different than any one of you. Um, and, and I'll be the first to tell you if I do something wrong, if I know about it, 
then I'm sorry. Um, and Erica will be the first to tell you as well, the know about it thing is really, really important. So don't suffer in silence uh, because more than likely I will do something and I'll not even know I did it. So um, uh, because um, at least the heart for this house and the heart of this pastor and this serve team is to love everybody as faithfully as we possibly can. doesn't mean that along the way there won't be moments where we have bad days or anything like that. But it's important that when those things happen, that you address those things and that you don't let those things go undercover, but that you speak openly about those things. All right, so Beth, let's, let's hear kind of your story and kind of um, what took place for you. By the way, we do, for Beth, I'm gonna go ahead and give her the preface before she prefaces, we do have Kleenexes on deck, sister, so you're good to go. I already told um, And they're right everybody. there, babe, if I'm we need them. I'm just gonna grab them just to have them because I know I'm gonna need them. All right, uh, so before I kind of get into the, church chart story part of it, I kind of wanted to give a little bit of context, which I think helps um, for you to understand my view of it as well. So I grew up in church. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, which is some of the reason that I am not like a, a pole and I just don't stand here when I say <laughs> I'm not used to that. Um, plus, I got too much to praise the Lord for just to stand there. Um, so I grew up always singing. Church has always been something that has been part of my life. It's not really ever been just absent. Um, I grew up singing, and there's just something about music with me. Like when you, when am I going through a trial or a tribulation? I can throw on some Tasha Cobbs, and it's like instant hallelujah. I'm in a good mood. Like it just instantly changes me. I like just love to go to that place. Uh, I've had a lot of um, people prophesy to me over the years that I was going to be a songwriter, that I was going to lead all these people in worship and all this kind of stuff, and that's always just kind of stuck with me. So fast forward, um, I kind of jumped between two churches growing up. My mom wasn't always around, so I kind of lived with, you know, Adam's mom, my other aunt, my grandma, and I kind of went to different churches, and I sang at all of them. Um, and when my mom passed away, I ended up getting very, very depressed. Um, I stopped going to church for a while. I was drinking all the time. I was smoking all the time. I was just very depressed. Thank you, Jesus, for tissues. <laughs> um, and being completely transparent, I ended up getting really drunk at a party and ended up getting pregnant with my son, Silas. to make it work with his dad. I really tried very hard, but we weren't, we didn't meet the right way. We didn't know each other the right way. It just wasn't a good situation. We went through counseling with our pastor and everything and ended up getting a divorce. And I remember sitting in there with the pastor and he was telling me I was a Jezebel and that I was never gonna sing at that church again, that he would allow a divorced person on his pulpit. I remember visiting other churches that I used to grew up in, and they would call me after and be like, just letting you know, you're welcome to come, but you're not allowed to sing at our church because of your situation. And that just really hurt me because I was just like, but God, you called me to do this. This is where I feel like I need to be doing. I've had all these people prophesying to me, and like, I don't want to be defined by like a mistake I made or my past. That shouldn't be what's holding me back, and it took me a very long time to find a church, even my previous church that I went to was not very welcoming about 
me initially. It took a long time for them to have me do worship, and then I started doing worship, and it was more or less like I couldn't raise my hands a certain way, couldn't praise a certain way, I couldn't be free to worship like I do here. And coming here has really just changed my perspective. Not once did anybody tell me that I was defined by my situations that I've gone through that I wasn't able to do something because I had a past. My past is my past. God's forgiven me. He's put it as far as the east is from the west. It is gone. It's done. So I don't need to sit here and define myself by what I did. That is just essentially a story that I can use to share to potentially help somebody here. So long story short, God has kind of set me free from that. And everybody here has been great. And I sing really loud. And yeah, that's great. Listen, uh, when I first, one of the first conversations, I, uh, first, second, third, something like that, conversations I had with Beth is that um, uh, she told me that very often um, that when she would hear from her pastor, it was to get um, critiques of what she wasn't doing right rather than compliments. Um, and, and listen, I, I'm not going to make any allusion to the fact that I'm great, perfect, or anything like that, um, or that I won't make mistakes either, but um, I, just, I just think to myself, just quite frankly, I just can't imagine that. Somebody this awesome, somebody this powerful, and one thing I can't, one thing I, I mean, I've even, Beth's on our worship team, and I hold those guys to a higher standard in leadership than I do anybody else, so we've had to have hard conversations, but the one thing I can't imagine is creating a church where you don't feel like you can make mistakes. Like, could you imagine anything less Christian than a place where, obviously, where it's not sloppy grace in terms of you just go do whatever you want to, and, uh, but, it, but in terms of, like, the, the house of God should be a house of grace, shouldn't it? The house of God should be the place where you can mess up and, 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 and your father comes to your side and he picks you back up just like when you were riding a bike and he says, get back on. It, it, we don't want you to keep falling, but, but, we're gonna, but it's okay if you fall, and we'll help you get back up. Um, that's what the house of God should truly, should truly be about. Um, uh, thank you, Beth, for your transparency and for sharing that. And uh, so I, I was excited to hear about Ward, too. He shared a little bit of his story with me. Um, so, Ward, why don't you um, just kind of tell us uh, some experiences you've had in the past? Sure. I want to get one thing out of the way real fast, though. Um, my wife hears me say this all the time, and I'm, I promise I ain't going to cry, but... I'm the most imperfect. <laughs> I'm the most imperfect Christian in the world. Reed's probably heard me say this a hundred times. Is I'm the prime example of somebody who comes to church because I need Jesus every single day. Um, there's a reason why he had me marry a counselor, okay? Because <laughs> I need. And my wife will tell you, especially right now during the Tennessee Alabama game last night, you would have not thought I was a Christian. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and throw that out there. But, anyways, unlike uh, these guys, I did not grow up in church. Um, I grew up a very Poor Duck, Hillbilly, you know, Sevier County, Smoky Mountain farm family that both parents were convicted felons. Um, I got eight siblings. Uh, four of them are convicted felons. Um, uh, I was the first one to graduate high school with a normal diploma, uh, barely, by the scrape of my teeth. Um, a lot of abuse, a lot of drugs. Um, the FBI was after my family for, gosh, for decades. Um, I think I was talking to Beth. We talk a lot because she adores me, Melissa's son, a lot. So, and by the way, if you want to show you love me, you're going to love my boys, okay? So, but anyways, um, uh, they were on the top 50 list for decades for the FBI. My parents are a lot worse. So, um, 
there was, um, you know, um, we were even part of human trafficking, um, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, just a lot of abuse and grew up with a lot of anger and hatred in my heart. Um, I actually did not start school, public school, until I was eight years old. Um, and then I didn't learn how to read until I was 12, actually at the time. Probably I got such a strong passion for education. Um, but um, there was a moment in my life where I was so fed up with God and angry at something personal. I knew because when you were in foster care for a while, they forced you to go to church and a big Pentecostal church. Um, uh, and they, uh, you know, so I knew there was a God or something up there. But I was fed up with God as a, you know, a big uh, teenager, you know, and it said, uh, you know, you know what, if, you know, if you're so great and all this stuff happened to me, then I don't want part of you and I'm not going to say it, read, but I swore some curse words at God and was like, F-U-U-S-O-B and blah, 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 and all the rest of this. And I physically wanted to hurt God. I was so fed up with this life and everything else. Well, um, you know, uh, there, was an, uh, there, there was an evangelist that was a part of our, would come and see our family sometime and he was at different churches all the time and everything and you know I got to thinking a lot and seeing you know my siblings just go through that generational curse of you know in and out of jail I'd been in and out of juvie and everything else as well and um, you know I kind of went to him talking and you know was saying you know I see like my best friend Calvin you know me and him played football together and being a fairly decent athlete in high school and you get some collegiate attention you know you're naturally part of a social group that there is a lot of partying a lot of drinking a lot of drugs a lot alcohol, inappropriate relationships, all those things. You know, I'd been down that road as far as I could go. So I went to this evangelist and um, was talking to him about some stuff. And I said, man, I said this to God one time. This is how mad I was. And I told him this. And this was a person that knew my family history through and through more than anything. And he told me, point blank, Ward, that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You, you, you can't be saved for that. There's nothing you can do. And I was crushed and was thinking, are you kidding me? And at first I was scared. And then months down the road, I just got mad. I said, you know what? I'm going to make it worth it then. So I went as far down that road as I could go, um, you know, hurting people that shouldn't have been, you know, that didn't deserve it. Um, you know, you know what? I found my identity and the coaches that loved me and thought, thought that loved me and all they could really do. I'm not trying to sound braggadocial is how decent I was on the field um, and things. And, uh, but I was never fulfilled, but I kept those skeletons hid in my closet so no one would know. On the outside, everybody was, oh, there's, you know, big goofy ward and, you know, everything's fine and dandy. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was a, um, there was a, <laughs> there was a, a, an awesome young lady that I knew that everybody knew, oh, well, she comes to parties and stuff, but she doesn't do anything. And I'm thinking, okay, like, no, I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem, whatever, well. I just kind of watched her quite a bit and would hear a couple of things she was saying. And it got me thinking when I heard her mention to me one time, she said, well, there's nothing but good in heaven. There's nothing but bad in hell. And I was thinking of that and said, you know, when we get to, when people get to heaven, they don't remember the bad stuff. They don't. And then she started talking about with one of her friends. And of course, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm drunker than Cooter Brown, you know, sitting there at a party. And she, you know, she, you know, I'm nobody knows what Cooter Brown is, but it's okay. Uh, you right, get the point. <laughs> So I wind up just getting fed up and saying, you know what, I'm going to try one more thing. Scared, crying, tired to death. I called the, the big Southern Baptist church that uh, Pastor Wayne Bryant was there. And uh, he said, hey, there's this Christian concert in Athens Regional Park. So come down here, meet me down there, and I'll talk to you. So I sat down 
I got there. He said, get there about 15 minutes early. Um, I was there three hours and 20 minutes early. Um, first one in the parking lot, sitting there waiting. And I just knew that, okay, you know, I'm just going to see what's going to happen one more time. So we sat in the front of the truck, and I confessed, you know, hey, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And I really want to be forgiven. He's like, well, of course God can forgive you. And he had his MDiv and all these master's degrees, but he was such a real person, Wayne was, a lot like Reed, that he, um, I said, but hang on, I haven't gotten to the big whammy yet of the sin that I've committed, okay? You know, and he said, okay, well, I said, you know, I told him what I'd said, and I literally stopped breathing for a minute, and he said, are you done? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm done, yeah. He said, okay, well, have you ever heard of the Apostle Paul? I said, I don't read the Bible, Wayne. What the, what the, of course not, <laughs> you know? And he said, okay, well, he killed Christians because this, I was like, what? I was like, well, do you think he did that? What I did? Well, of course he did. And I was like, so I can be forgiven? Well, yeah. There's nothing you've done that's greater than what Christ did on the cross, Ward. And I remember at that moment, I was literally, <laughs> I was literally so happy that um, I, I seriously, you know, 250 pounds at the time, you know, but I felt like everything was gone, like, and was, and I was freed. And I mean, there were so many things that I had been doing in the past, but it didn't even matter anymore. And I immediately jumped deep into, okay, well, Wayne, what do I do now? And he was one of those that, well, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. And discipleship is so important. And I immediately started, you know, that, um, you know, him discipling me. And it, there was a good old big Southern Baptist that they beat scripture into you, you know, like a lot of good old Southern Baptists do, you know, scripture, no scripture, no scripture. And the more that I dug into it, the more that I realized I always had a problem with denominations. And I would ask, okay, well, it was such a real thing for me. I still get more out of my one-on-ones with the Lord than I would in the church service and in my relationship with the Lord than in the church service. And, um, of course, I was abandoned by my family and all the rest of this. My mom actually kicked me out and said, you're not going to serve God for at 18 years old for, you know, and live in this house. I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, at that time, so, um, but, you know, yeah, when, had I not had just one simple person, now I'm not saying, you know, go out to a party and try to save people, you know, but that one person that was living out their faith, that was being in the world, but not of it, and that was being able to show that, you know, I'm not ashamed of Christ in my life, and, and all these things, just gave me a sense of hope, and I, even to this day, I still text and message on August 13th of 2005 when I gave my heart to the Lord um, and say, thank you. I just say, thank you. That's all I say is thank you. And, you know, she knows what it means, you know. And, and you know, I've now got four members of my family saved. Well, the Lord has. So. But, um, um, and, uh, I mean, they're still making mistakes. And trust me, I still make mistakes daily. But that hurt from the church there is something that I, re- I always wondered, like, God, why, you know, why this? But now I realize now that um, when uh, Reed asked, said he was going to start a church, I immediately knew Reed is a person that, you know, yeah, we can be fancy with the lights and the music and all this stuff. And, it, and it, believe it or not, it is grace you know, or great, you know, and it's great in here with the grace. But he truly does want everybody to know God intimately, individually first, because I mean, essentially, that's what it—that's what it is. But I'll show yeah, absolutely, you no, that's great. Yeah. So I, there's so much I think about with that, and I don't want to take too much time with it. But we could go on and on and on just with that story alone. Um, but the one thing, I, two, two things I'll say is that 
Um, I think there's a lot of people like Ward in the world. In fact, I think the vast majority of people who don't know Jesus, um, all of them perhaps, are in tune enough to know just that desire of wanting to feel the weight of the world taken off of their shoulders. I, 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 re I relate to almost nothing in that story and then a lot of that story. Um, but certainly I relate to that, um, that experience of just the weight of my sin being carried with me every single day of my life and, and not wanting to carry that anymore and Jesus taking it away and feeling like I could float on air. Um, I'll just throw this plug in here. Um, the pastor that was preaching the morning that I got saved will be coming up here pretty soon to speak this morning. And he made me preach the very first sermon I've ever preached in my life. I was bawling my eyes out like a baby and he stuck a microphone in his face and he said, how do you feel? And I just, I preached the best I've ever preached in my life because it was like a two second sermon. And I just went, <laughs> and I just couldn't say anything. Um, but, but it was because I was experiencing the weight of my sin being taken away. Now, listen, if you don't know what that feels like, if you walked in this morning and you carried the weight of the world on your shoulders, what you need to experience is you need to experience the love of Jesus. And again, I go back. The second thing I wanted to say is, can you imagine a father um, that would come to his son and say, oh, can't be my son, right? Like, like in Ward's story. Like, can you imagine a father that was worth his salt that would say, I cannot believe you said that to me. Get out of here. You're no longer my son. Um, that's not a good father. And that's certainly not our heavenly father, um, he's a better father than we could be any day of the week. In fact, the Bible even says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more will I give you the Holy Spirit if you ask for it? He's a good gift giver because he's the best, greatest father you could ever imagine. And, that, and, and for anybody who may be in that boat, I would want you to know that too today. You think you've messed up. You think you've gone too far for God to save you. Well, then God's too small in your mind. And he's not the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, um, he went to the cross so that your sin weight, no matter how heavy it is, could be taken upon himself. This is the beauty of Christianity. So that he could bear the weight of your sin. Boy, if that don't get you, that you need to be reminded this morning. You need to sound the alarm in your own spirit. If that doesn't get you, if that still doesn't bring a tear to your eye or just stir your heart, that he would love you that much. I, I mean, we need to be reminded of it from time to time. Uh, would you guys do me a favor and give it up for these guys one more time? Thank you guys for sharing your stories. You guys can grab your seats and go back. I want to just sum, it, sum up a little bit here um, with, uh, with just a couple of things that I want, to, I want you to take away from these stories. Um, hopefully you enjoyed them and the stories in their own right were something that you can take away with you. But the first thing is this is that if I or another pastor ever disappoints you, I wanna make sure that I point your attention back to this one thing, that it is about Jesus, that it is about Jesus. Listen, men will disappoint you, women will disappoint you, people in general will disappoint you. But the first thing I wanna remind you of is it's not necessarily about them in this sense, that, that it is about Jesus. Like I've, I've been serving Christ long enough to see people who I've admired fallen, to see people who were serving God have transgressions in their life and fall away from God and stop serving God. And, and, and in those moments, you might have even gotten saved. Like this happened to my brother. You might have gotten saved under a pastor who fell and you're like, how can that salvation be, be sincere? And how can that be real? And how can I really be saved if that guy was doing this? And here's how. Because the, the gospel is the gospel is the gospel regardless of the person that was preaching it. 
The gospel is true and Jesus is who he says he is regardless of the pastor that's been the pastor of your church or the pastor that led you to the Lord or anything like that because the first thing that I wanna remind you of is that it's about Jesus. So whenever church hurt comes, remember that the church is a place where people are. Now it's God's heart, it's God's desire, but it's not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. So I remind you this morning to turn your attention to him, to fix your eyes upon Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of your faith. And here's the second thing, and this is a powerful thing, and I hope you take this away with you today. Here's the second thing, is that your past hurt will be your future testimony. Your past hurt will be your future testimony. Um, the best way I can think to describe this to you is by using a Bible story. Moses had really, really messed up. In fact, he had killed somebody too, like uh, Ward was saying with Paul. Um, he had killed somebody and he had to run away from his position as um, uh, one of the leaders of Egypt. And he ran away and he was in the back side of the desert taking care of sheep now. He was once a ruler and now he was taking care of sheep. And so he was walking through the desert one day, had a staff in his hand and God spoke to him while he was there. You guys may remember this story, maybe you don't, you're, you don't or you've never heard it and you're like, what I'm about to tell you, this is weird. And so God spoke to him out of a burning bush. I don't have time to get into it completely, but God spoke to him out of a burning bush and God told him to do this. And he said, take that staff that's in your hand and I want you to throw it on the ground. Um, and because, because Moses was called to go speak to the Pharaoh um, at that time and go deliver the people of Israel who were slaves and get them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And he said, well, how, am I, how, are, you know, how are they going to know that, that I, I'm anybody any special? And why are they going to listen to me? And God said, take that staff that's in your hand, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it turned into a snake. Um, made a miracle from the thing that had come to be associated with his past failure, his past hurt, his past pain. That staff had represented, he was once carrying a staff of a ruler in his hand, but now he's just carrying the staff of a shepherd in his hand. And, and, and he constantly, daily, must have been reminded of, of, of how his past had gone. But Jesus, God in that moment, was showing him right then and there that he wanted to take what had been associated with his past and do something miraculous with his past. Look at this verse of scripture. This is what it says in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So you see this? You're gonna go through stuff in your life. It's a promise of the scripture. But when you do, God wants you to take the comfort that you've been given from God and comfort those who are in trouble. See, God wants to use your past hurt. It wasn't a surprise to him. It's not too difficult for him to help you heal. It's not too hard for him to help you recover from it. In fact, the greatest moment of your life is when you quit trying to forget the past and you grab a hold of the fact that God wants to use your past to help you make somebody's future a little bit brighter. That's when true healing will set into your life. That's when true healing will set into your life. So remember, when church hurt comes, and it may, remember it's about Jesus. And then remember that when it comes, God's doing something. Now some of us may say amen, or that's okay, Reed, but no, come on, let's get real. When you get hurt, you're not praising God for that. You're not thanking Jesus for that. You're not, because what you're thinking is, God, 
take this pain away. Lord, move this thing from me so I don't have to deal with it again. But you're forgetting that the God of heaven who is on the throne and is never worried about anything that will ever take place in your life, he's not nearly as worried as you are, is saying that this thing that happened to you, I know you don't understand it now. I know you can't see it through the pain, but I promise you, I'm using it for your good. I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it for your good. You just watch and see the God who can take the cross, a torture device, and turn it into one of the most beautiful things on the planet. Come on, he's good at taking the curses of your life and making them into a blessing. Here's this last scripture verse, and this comes from Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, the last thing that I want to leave you with is just simply this. It is the devil's tool to keep you from church because he knows that when you get around other people, you can give them the ability to do good, to encourage one another all the more, especially as the day is approaching. This was written thousands of years ago, and they're talking about the return of Jesus. And he's saying, don't stop meeting together. Listen, that's what the enemy wants. Whether you believe in the devil or not, he exists, and that's one of his jobs is to try to keep you out of church. Because in the church, we can come together, encourage one another. And that's what he wants church hurt to do, is to separate you from the church. To move you away from the Jesus who loves you and from focusing on him. And from using your past hurt as a testimony for your future. All of that can happen in church. So listen, you may get hurt. You may have bad experiences in church. You may have things that may happen to you from time to time. And you may even think to yourself, well, I'm never going to church. I've got YouTube and a Bible, and I can just feed myself. No, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about being with God's people and about encouraging one another and serving one another. That's what Soma Church is about. We're not better than any other church on the planet. I won't say that, but I can tell you that that's what we're about here. So no matter what, don't let the enemy separate you from the church, the place where God wants to bring healing and purpose and truth into your life. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. For more messages like this one, please check out our channel for past episodes. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing and sharing with friends. For more info about Soma Church, please go to soma-church.com. We love you and we can't wait to meet you in person.